What's up, guys, and welcome to episode four of For the Win with Eli Kane. This episode was very different because I had a one-on-one interview with Les Snead, the Rams' general manager. We talked about a lot of different things, and we pretty much covered every single topic in sports. Hope you enjoy. So, um, I personally think that the entire NFC West is going to make the playoffs. If there was one team that didn't make the playoffs, who would it be? Uh, great question. I don't think I can truly answer that one because I'd give them bulletin board material. You know what I mean? If I, if I said this team, uh, so I, but it's, it's as, here's what I, I think uh, my wife, Kara, and I, we kind of looked at it, right, with this going to say, is it, is, it, is it a chance for four teams to make it? Yeah. Uh, it does seem like mathematically there is a chance, with, you know, when you go to seven playoff teams. But the interesting thing, right, when we start playing each other, when we beat each other up, right? Yeah. Uh, will any of us be able to stop Russell Wilson, right? Will the 49ers be able to uh, get healthy and get back to who they were last year? Do we continue ascending? And then with the Cardinals, right, does, does – does, uh, Tyler continued growing and, and uh, their offense continued evolving under cliffs so, of uh, interesting storylines with some quality teams and probably selfishly wish we weren't in this. Yeah, so um, if you like can't answer any question or something like that, just let me know. Oh, don't worry, I'll, but I'll answer it like I just did. Yeah, I'll okay. answer it, but I might not answer it directly. All right. Um, I'll let you know that I'm not answering on the bench, who would you say the best player is? So on our bench? Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this, Steve. So on our bench, uh, good question. Yeah, but some of these guys are playing, right? So uh, I'll answer. I'll give you a few answers. And then so on the bench, I think of, I actually think of, Two of our wide receivers, Josh Reynolds and Van Jefferson, who are actually, uh, you know, behind Robert Woods and, and Cooper Cup. That's that's a tough. Gerald Everett being behind Higby's. Gerald's a good player. I think uh, any of our three running backs are are good players. Uh, so then I go. We got a lot of depth at safe, safety. We even you even got a uh, this Michigan. Him in the back, and, and we have a kid, David Long, who uh, is from Michigan. But yeah, I behind, met him. He's behind some good corners, so uh, all of those guys now they contribute some, but you know they they are definitely uh, they're not starters for us. All right, yeah. Um, so obviously, Sean McVay is like one of the youngest coaches in the NFL. What's like one or two um, advantages of him being? that young uh number one would be his ability right he's he can relate to this generation of player so uh that's that's just something right you know how it is you're you you got you've got this like just put what grade are you in eli fifth fifth so you've seen it right you've had teachers who are kind of maybe older and they're maybe like you're 
grandparents, and then you've had like this younger teacher who might be a few years out of college, and you kind of go, okay, yeah. I really like it for her class. So that's that's definitely uh, one of them, and I, and I think the 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 other superpower of being a young coach is probably uh, at his age, right? There's you got to have a lot of energy and enthusiasm, uh, and, and that and that definitely uh, is contagious. So I think being young, uh, this profession can let's call it get you tired pretty quick, get you some gray hairs pretty quick. So him not being gray yet, like having that energy that necessary to work. Great question. I know um, number one easy, but but the second the second uh, let's call it positive of being young, I, I can sit and think about that a lot. So that was a really good question. Yeah. Um. So if you were like in a meeting with one other GM, who would you most prefer that? Like what team? Well, what if I go out of the box and said, uh, like. So I would go, maybe if I went out of the box and said Theo Epstein, only because, even though he's in baseball, only because, I mean, it's pretty neat that he was able to, right, lead an organization, get a, get a group of people to collaborate and, and, and basically overcome two curses, which, you know, that's, that's hard to do. Definitely uh, do that. So I think that's definitely one. Maybe, maybe the uh, other one uh, would maybe be John Schneider of the Seattle Seahawks. So that hopefully I can, you know, sneak something off his desk that gives us an edge to beat the Seahawks. Yeah. Um. So if you had to make like one trade proposal right now, uh, what would it be? One trade proposal, right? So, uh, good, good one. Because I haven't, we're getting close to trade deadline, right? So, you could always, you know, you could easily say, hey, let's, you know, trade for Patrick Mahomes. Would that be cheating, right? Yeah. Don't want to do that, you know what I mean? So, I, I think what we're probably always do. Our offense is rolling. Uh, you know, I mean, we, Sean and that group have a really neat chemistry together. So they're they're kind of humming. So maybe you go and try to find a, a, the best available guy to rush the passer. You can even if we can just continue pairing rushers with uh, with Aaron Donald, right? So let's go to the Chiefs. Is it is it Chris Jones because he can rush inside? With, with uh, Aaron Donald, it, we're about to play the Bears in a couple weeks, so is it Khalil Mack, so we don't have to block him, and we can let him roll from the outside. So, but I, I think we'd stick with maybe uh, front seven guys that can affect the TV. Um. So, if you're like, if it's draft day and you don't have a draft pick ready, or another team takes it, what do you like? How do you do that? Like you're on the clock and you don't know who to take. Oh, yeah, you always, uh, you try to uh, go through all of those scenarios 
especially like with your, your first, but if you're in the first round, you can, you can do a nice job of going, okay, if this player is here, this is who we're taking. If this player is here, this is who, you know, if that player's not there, then you just go to the next. And, and what you want to do is, is be realistic and pull. So if you're picking like 25, you know, you can't put uh, Chase Young as one of the guys you can take, right? Because you know he's going to go early. So you gotta you got to come up with your scenarios. And, you're not, and, and you always say, okay, at this point you trade back, but you might not be able to trade back because you might not have a trade partner. So there is this, you've got to always say, hey, if we get stuck there, who are we picking? Now, what's interesting as, as it gets into the later part of the draft, second, third, fourth round, you try to at that point have your board. You just have players rated, right? And you just think of it like the, there's two ways you think of it. If you're in the backyard picking a team, right? You go, I'll pick that person, this person, that person. So you try to almost, hey, look at it like you're in the backyard and you go, wide receiver, we pick this seven. You like them one through seven. And then the linebacker leads eight, you pick them one through eight. If you've already picked a receiver, maybe you then go to linebacker. Like, because you already have the receiver. So you stack it vertically and horizontally. Because, as an example, you just don't, let's just say you don't want to go in the draft and take all quarterbacks, right? Then you wouldn't, you'd have a bunch of quarterbacks that couldn't play anymore. Yeah. Um, so, like, Cam Akers is obviously really good for, like, as a kind of substitution for Todd Gurley. Um, but, like, how do you think, what's different about Cam Akers than Todd Gurley was? You got that awesome fat head of Gurley behind you. What, what's it, I mean, that guy, when you look, you can turn around here and look at that guy. I mean, look at those thighs. So, you know, it's hard to replace, right, a Todd Gurley in his prime just because that's, that's one of those guys that was – you know, born rare, born to be a Hall of Famer, and, and man, did he have some Hall of Fame seasons. So um, that's that. So what you, the good thing about someone like Cam Akers, and one of the reasons we like him is uh, he can catch out of the backfield, uh, similar to Todd, so you can use him, right? In, in the screen game, which is a little easier pass to catch, but you got to be savvy to set up a screen and find your blockers, but also can do things down the field like on some choice routes where you run vertically like that linebacker and go left or right real quick and, and get open. And then the, the neat thing about him is we call them dirty runners. Dirty means some people have the sixth sense of just finding air and daylight in there. You know, just going to the going to the place where there's not a lot of bodies when there's a lot of a lot of bodies around. See what I'm saying? So there's automatically a lot of bodies in there, but some of these guys just have that patience. So, okay, that's where your bodies are. Go there. Next thing you know, they score out of there. So that's what we really want to talk about. Yeah. Um. So, like, um, there's obviously like a new logo and new uniforms. Do you think that like hyped up the players at all? I. You know what? They're they're like they're closer to your age than mine, so. It's like they really like cool new stuff. And like this game, this last game we played, uh, against maybe your hometown team, 
like someone close to you, the Giants, and broke out those yellow pants. And it was the first time our players had seen those yellow pants because everything's new. So it's interesting when everything's new. So Nike couldn't make everything all the So we got those in later than anything. And, and when everybody saw those yellow pants, they really loved them. But I think they, the players love the, the new colors. They love how that, that helmet pops. Right? There's just something about those colors that kind of scream at you. You know what I mean? They're, you know, they're, cool, they're cool highlighters instead of just, you know, boring, you know, highlighters. So, box of crayons, our, our, our players think those are the cool colors. You know what I mean? It's not just that 12 box of crayons. We're picking from that, like, you got a big box of crayons. I don't even know if your generation knows what a crayon is. Do you know what a crayon is? Yeah. That's, that's good. Um, so, this one's kind of a silly question, but... Like, does the team have a fantasy league? And if so, who usually wins it? Awesome. Man. That is, uh... I can't tell you if we have anybody in our locker room or I, I don't. It seems like there would be some that would. What's interesting is I know when I've been... I know this, there's a lot of, because a lot of times other sports aren't playing. So now we're kind of all playing at one time. But I, I do know, uh, like, when, you know, there's baseball. Baseball players seem to have a lot of fantasy football teams. Same with NBA players have gotten, and I know our players get texts from their peers and other leagues. So I'm going to go, I don't know if there's one fantasy team. But if there's anybody who has one, I bet you it's John Um. If there's anybody who would have one. So, like, I'll um, do some research on that. That's a, I can't believe I don't know the answer. Yeah, so I think, like, Cam Akers is really good for the team, and he's been playing really well since he got injured. Um, but before he got injured. But, um, like, the fact that he's new to the team, how would you like? How do you think he's gonna be in three years or something? Well, he, he in three years he'll be he'll be better at a lot of things. Uh, but uh, what's what's pretty cool about being three years from now? It's like you remember your like your first day of school. Yeah. And it's like okay kind of know people, you kind of don't, it's kind of uncomfortable, kind of feeling it all out, all of those things, you know, how that, and then all of a sudden, right, you're, you know, it's after Christmas holidays and getting close to spring break, and by then you feel, you know, who you're going to sit and eat lunch with and maybe go spend the night with, remember those? So that's kind of, I would say, the best thing about you guys get to their third year. They're just more comfortable with each other and there's a little more chemistry amongst each other other than like, okay, it's the first day of school. I think I like that kid. I think that maybe maybe I don't like that kid. You're still trying to figure it all out. Um, so like when the when a team goes to the playoffs, how do you like set their mentality if it's like at all different from the normal season? Like, if it's different, what's the difference um, 
between like the normal season mentality and the um, postseason mentality? I think what we what we try to do is uh, let's say everything between Monday and Saturday. You try to keep it the same, right? In your preparation, like hey, it's, it's just you've heard the quote, right? It's just another game. So, and the reason you do that, right? You don't want to be uptight during the week and things like that. But I, I do know this, Doc. Like, all of a sudden, when, when, when it's the middle of the third quarter in a playoff game, and you realize in a quarter and a half, somebody's not going to have another game. I mean, that, that's a different feeling that you're like, wow, we're basically, you know. 22 minutes away from somebody's not playing again. So uh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, my right, game starts speeding up. And the key is, is the reason you want to make Monday through Saturday the same is, is, is you don't want to all of a sudden speed up yourself in and start doing things and fast forward and, and making mistakes because those 22 minutes or that quarter and a half stop. It's like it's, it's sprinting instead of jogging. So, like, um, this one is also kind of a um, silly question, but if a player, like, um, had a birthday on a game day, what would you do differently on that game day? Well, I think if, uh, if a player has a birthday, I do think what happens is, like, his, his position group, you know, like, let's say this, I think during the week, it's almost like classrooms, so like the linebackers have a meeting. A little different during COVID, just like you're going through different things at school, but it's almost like the linebacker room is almost like you going to a math class, right? And then the wide receivers room is like you changing classes and not going to an English class. So it's a whole different teacher, whole different class. So what happens in the linebacker room, you may see that whole room decorated like a, you know, a silly kid's birthday party, right? And then what's really cool if we win the game and and be neat, right, if, the, if that particular player made a big play or something during the game, right? You know, the head coach may give him a game ball uh, or a game cake or a game piece of cake or something like that and you rock over that. You got to kind of wait and see if you win the game first. Yeah, so um, when I play soccer, when I'm, like, angry at someone or I'm just angry in general, I play much better. Is it the same with, like, players playing in the NFL? Uh, I think yes and no. I do think uh, the anger, right, you're talking about is there's this, you're dialed in, you're focused, and there's not a lot on your mind other than, like, defeating the opponent. But there are times, right, when when you get angry, and I always call it the back of your brain. So one day, one day your mom and dad get your anger. I call it the back of your brain. Your your amygdala gets going. That's your emotions and how you're out of control. And all of a sudden, you get a, a penalty. You get a yellow flag. You're out of the game, and you're hurting your team. So I think. It, but I think the anger you're talking about, right, is is, hey, there's this ultra-focus on, you know what, I don't like that other team, and I like our team a lot more than that team, and I just want our team to beat that team. And so I 
answer is yes and then. There's times we've seen when anger hurts. Um, so if like one player um has like a everyone's their friend on the team, but they have like a couple best friends. If that person got injured, what would those best friends do? Well, I think uh, I think some of those best friends would right. You see every now and then uh, somebody's laying on the field, and there's a couple of players who may go out there with the trainers, but not not all 53 go out there. So I think that's what you see. Right, they go out, and make sure you know they make sure they're okay, things like that uh, when they're you know on the field being treated and, and being assessed of what's wrong and, and things like that, and then. Let's say it happens in the first half. At, at halftime, those players, first thing they'll do is run to the training room and kind of check on their, their friend uh, before they get into any halftime adjustments. All right, yeah, if you're running out of time, just let me know. But um, so, like, what would, gr- what would go on in an NFL team's draft room? Like, would everyone be screaming at the same time? What would be going on? You know, what the, you know what's interesting? All the screaming's done is before the draft. So, like, let's just call it in April is when we really set our draft for. So I like to, I like to say screaming. So, the screaming maybe the screaming at each other trying to figure out, right? Like, it's you. You got brothers and sisters? I have a brother. So, you know, so y'all, when y'all are screaming at each other trying to figure out, right, who gets... Kids, I don't know, maybe the, the remote control or what have you. So all of those things are done before the draft so that when you get to the draft, you just always say let the board come to yourself, right? So we scream at each other to get the board set up. And uh, so, but here's a good story is on Todd Gurley, uh, where there was a lot of screaming going on in the draft room. We, we kept that one really, really secret. Uh, and at that point in time, basically, you know how you read about before the draft, everybody talks about the Rams are going to draft this person, kind of see all of that from the media. Well, at that point in time, everyone kind of was pinpointing us to take an offensive lineman, you know, and then, uh, but we kind of kept really, really secret. And by secret, I mean, we almost made everyone in our draft in our building feel like we were going to take an offensive line. Just in case they wanted to tell one of their friends that what we might do, because you know how people talk and they got friends from other teams and they say, yeah, we, we really like these these offensive linemen, blah, blah, blah. Because we didn't want anybody to trade up in front of us and get top throw. So basically the entire draft room thought we were going to draft an offensive lineman. But really the entire draft room wanted Todd Girl. But they thought us as decision makers were idiots. So they're going to do something else. So when we actually took Todd Gurley, right? So I asked our area scout who scouted Todd Gurley. I said, hey, his name was Sean Gustafs at the time. I said, hey, Sean, why don't you walk up to the board and pull that running back's card off the board? And so he goes up to the board. It's like, it's like a whiteboard that made me pull off Todd Gurley's name. And the whole draft erupted. You know, it was like, it was like we went on fire. Yeah, so speaking of the draft, like, um, now the media is, like, all over every single story. 
Um, has there ever been a time where, like, something was supposed to be secret, but it got, like, the media somehow figured it out? And you know what? They're, the answer is yes, because they do, they do a good job of trying, you know, building relationships and, and what we call sources and, and covering your team. And, and, and sometimes it might not be just a, a flat-out leak, right? And, and by that, I mean just a sabotage of a... Of a, of a trade secret, it may be a because they cover us so well, they, they kind of know our needs and what we may be looking at and know people and what we've really been working on. So they can put a lot of pieces together and sometimes, uh, and sometimes guess right or you know, get it right. But uh, that's why come draft time, they, uh, it's kind of a whole wide scale that you can't believe anyone. Because we're always trying to, it's, it's like at that point a poker match. You know what I mean? We, we want you to believe we got a good hand and we really don't. Or vice versa. So, um, like, when, like, literally right before the game, when the coach is, like, giving the um, players that, like, pep talk or speech or something, um, are you, like, in on that? Do you, like, see the you know difference that's been made? You know, it's, uh, I, I definitely, I always hang out with Sean a good bit before the game, our head coach. But usually when he goes and does the pregame speech, you know, he, he, there's been a lot of discussions all week. So he usually hits pregames that are pretty simple. But what's awesome about Sean is, is what's called a posting speech, of setting the tone for, for what we've got to do. So, like, I give an example in our in that Buffalo's, Buffalo loss, I mean, that was a hard, I mean, that was exclusion. That was, that was just a gut punch, right? We were down big, stormed back, right? We won the game, but we had a penalty. Buffalo got to keep playing. They win the game. So everybody, but when everybody got in the locker room, it was like, Sean set the tone for the week, and I bet you we would have played better against the Giants if we were just taking a 10-minute break right then and blown to New York and playing them right now versus waiting a week. So that's when, that's when, the, that's when the coach is really at his post he's, he's setting the tone for the next week. Yeah, so about that Bills game, like um, the Rams really started to come back at, say, the second half. Was it like, did something happen in the locker room that just – gave them hope, or did that just come naturally to the players? I, well, the coaches have did a really good job of doing some adjustments, right, and, and going, okay, this is what Buffalo's doing. They've kind of bogged us down uh, on offense, so this is what we need to do. And then vice versa, because Buffalo's offense with the wall, and so like, this is what we need to do. But I, I do think, right, uh, so we get rolling, but I think some things like when, when Coach McVay, he set the tone early and went forward on fourth down, and we didn't get it. Uh, but he kept, he was sending a message, and everyone felt like, we're going, we're going to come back. And they actually came back and scored another touchdown, but there was another time when we got to a fourth down and we ended up getting it. So I think just a, the players feeling we're going to be aggressive, and the whole goal is to do everything it takes to come back, and you know that that's somewhat the So, 
uh, the college season, like the Big Ten, hasn't really started yet. But um, if there's one college player that you would see taking, um, like say your first pick um, in the draft, who would that player be? Probably the player. The good thing is we don't have a first rounder, so I could say let's take. You know, trying to think of. It's interesting. The first pick of the draft may not even play college football this year. It, it might be someone who opted out, right? Uh, like Oregon's got this left tackle who is maybe the best left tackle in this draft, and maybe one of the best ones to come out in, in a few drafts. So. You know, that'd be definitely someone we'd look at. You can always use really good OL. And he may not even play this year, but you know what's interesting? I, I, what I do as a GM, I don't – I'm going to start preparing for the draft. Actually, tomorrow on the flight to Washington, the first time I start watching this year's draft class. So from now until the end of December, I'm going to prepare for the draft. But what I don't do is I don't – like read Mel Kiper or Todd McShay or any of those. So I don't necessarily, I try to write now not to uh, put any biases in my brain right now. So I can honestly say we don't know who our first pick would be, even if we had the first pick, right? Um, but if we had the first pick, you know what I think I would do? I would trade that pick because I think somebody would want to be right? Whether it's Sunshine out of Clemson, whether it's Justin Fields at right, Michigan's rival, but somebody would want to be and we could trade back and get a lot more things. So um, I think that Justin Herbert, like I didn't think he was going to be as good as he was um, like on draft day. Is there any... Um, is there anyone on the Rams that you think is going to be like that, where you didn't think they were going to be as good as they are? Uh, well, it seems like, right, if we pick them, we should think they're good, right? But uh, good question, and let's go, let's go, we, we picked another, since you got the Michigan, and what, I know you got the Michigan ties, but I forget exactly how. But at Ohio State, we picked the safety out of Ohio State, Jordan Fuller, in the sixth round. So, and I think he was going to earn a starting job this year. No, but he actually did. And obviously, right, if you thought he was going to earn a starting job and help him win, you might have picked him more earlier than sixth round. But that's a, that's a, that's a good story, but there's all there's always a, a few of those guys. All right, um, I think I'm gonna wrap it up here. Uh, thank oh, you. Watch this, up, Eli. What we gotta do it for your mom? Look right here. You ever seen that before? Oh yeah. It's in my book. So you know what's cool about your mom? Like in the adult world, she'd be like, she'd be like really hip at the school. You know what I mean? So you know how you got your, your cool. She'd be one of the cool kids at the school in the adult world. So I always have her book on hand because we we have a lot of people in football who are actually introverts, and they've never. When you're able to show them your mom's book and help them write, what does it say? You know, 
dominate the world and can't stop helping them. They always appreciate it. So just know your mom's one of the cool kids. And I'm sure your dad is too, considering he married your mom. Um, if there's like anything else that you want to tell me or something, say that like now. Uh, I'm a huge Michigan fan. <laughs> I love the helmets. Respect Harbaugh. It's a cool football environment. You know what I mean? But you covered it well. You had some great questions. Right. I don't know who helped you. Did anybody help you with your questions? You uh, my friend at school and my parents. I mean, that's y'all dominated. So you're going to be good at this. All right, thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye, Eli. <laughs>